Okay, let's go. George Kilpatrick, inspiration for the nation celebrating people we feel good about. Well, we've got a sister who has been doing it at all levels of the corporate ladder, and she's got some lessons for us about how to navigate the world and win when they say you won't. Daphne Jones is a Fortune 50 retiree. She's got her own consulting business. She's helping folks do many great things. She's been in corporate America. She helps people get ready for boards of directors. But more importantly, she's here to help us win. Do you feel like winning? I feel like winning. I love winning. But what do, what do we do for the haters? People that say we won't win. How do we, as Black folk in particular, now I know this book is for everybody. This book is for everybody. Don't get it twisted. Daphne's talking to everybody. But when she's on our show, she's talking to us. So how do we win and what are the different ways that we can do that and still stay true to ourselves? Daphne, please tell us about your background because you've had many years of experience. This book doesn't just come to you. This is your lived experience. So welcome to the program. So good to see you. And uh, tell me what, tell me about your background. Okay, perfect. What I'll do is, first of all, just tell everybody where I, what I'm doing today and then how I got here. Because it's a really a rags to riches or poverty to prosperity. Talk to me. From secretary to C-suite kind of experience. Yes, yes. Right? And so right now I'm retired. And uh, what does that look like? That looks like uh, I have a startup company called The Board Curators that teaches people how to serve and get paid to serve on boards of directors. Oh, wait, say that part again. The getting paid part? Yeah. So my company <laughs> teaches senior leaders how to prepare to serve on boards of directors and get paid. So I currently serve on three company boards today. One is an aerospace company, one is a healthcare staffing company, and the third one is a door designer, manufacturer, and distributing company out of Tampa. And so that's what I, I do. And then thirdly, I have written a book called Win When They Say You Won't, and that's sort of been like my part-time hobby or, or, or whatever to be able to share my stuff with the world. So that's kind of what I'm doing now. What I did is I was the senior vice president for some of the world's most recognizable companies. So my last role I had before I retired was I was a senior vice president and chief information officer at GE or General Electric healthcare business. And that's a, I had about a $13 billion bit of the GE healthcare business. When I retired, I was the highest ranking African-American person in IT in all of GE. Prior to that, I was senior vice president at a pharmaceutical company named Hospira. It is now uh, owned by Pfizer. Prior to that, I was with Johnson & Johnson where I first became a vice president, cut my teeth there. And then I grew up in technology with IBM. So I graduated from college and went right to work for IBM in Peoria, Illinois. But how did I get there? Yeah. I am the, the youngest of four children um, born to Jamaican immigrants. My mom and dad came from Jamaica to the United States to, to live the dream. Mm -hmm. and, and my mom cleaned bedpans. My father worked on the factory floor. 
not unlike a lot of African-American children in the world today. Mm -hmm. um, they, you know, we're the first generation educated, you know, kids. And um, she focused on education so much that I skipped first grade. She would send me out to the alley and she said, Daphne, I want you to bring back two plus four rocks. If I didn't bring back two plus four rocks, which was six rocks, she would then send me back out to get the switch off the, the weeping willow tree. And mm. then I had to, then she kind of beat my little legs. So I learned education real fast. So I skipped first grade, but then I, but George, then I went to high school and I've, I've suffered, you know, racial assault. You know, we were, we were bused to schools and, and all that stuff. And I've gotten in my share of fights, but I was ready to go to college. I went to my high school counselor. Well, where did you go to school by the way? Where, where did you grow up? Um, so I grew up in a town called Phoenix, Illinois. It's one of the poorest cities in Illinois. Mm -hmm. um, we had no post office, no grocery store, no bank, you know, nothing. It's just a bunch of bodegas and some liquor stores. So I went to school in Thorn Ridge, Dalton, Illinois. And um, we got bus there, right? So it was a white community and they were doing the integration at that point. And so I went to my counselor and I, I said to him, okay, I'd like to get ready to go to college. And he said, college? Black girls like you don't go to college. They maybe they go to secretarial school, but and you could become a secretary. So this man who had authority over my life and over how I should think, I listened to him and I realized that I let him define my narrative. I let mm -hmm. him commit career assault, you know, not right, only right. physical assault, but he assaulted my, my professional potential and career. And so I became a secretary for Women's Day magazine in downtown Chicago. George, you could not tell me I didn't have it going on. Come on now. The train, <laughs> going to Chicago and taking dictation from these white men who um, were running the magazine. It was a woman's magazine being run by white men. It was just the most amazing thing. But I was terrible at it. I took dictation. I knew how to do shorthand and typing, but I just didn't do a good job. My heart wasn't in it. I knew that I could do more. And when I made some mistakes, it was just too much. I said, you know what? I shouldn't be a secretary. I should have a secretary. And the way I'm going to do that is by getting the education that these men had. And so I quickly quit and started back on my path to getting into college. And so now at this point, you know, my high school class had already gone on to college. I was not there. So I had to catch up and, and get into the January semester. And well, hold on a second, before you continue. So when you decided that you were gonna work and be a secretary and remember your mom was instilling education and you had advanced all the way through, was she in support of this or was she just happy that you had a job? She was happy that I had a job because okay. I had a job that was more than her job. I had okay. a job okay. that came as a result of getting a high school diploma that mm -hmm. she didn't have. Mm. And, and But then she supported me going to college because it was all about the advancement. You know, mom being uh, from Jamaica was under the British rule. So she was all about excellence and innovation and doing things that reminded her of the being under the British rule, which is all about excellence in education. And so I went on and uh, I got my undergraduate degree in three years instead of four. Okay. And I got my MBA in one year instead of two. And I think it was because I was always feeling like I had to prove myself mm. because this white man told me that I was not good enough, that I was not gonna make it. And so when I think about the name of my book, when, when they say you won't, 
I had to tell myself that I had the ability to win because I was told that I would not win. And so I went through there and decided that I want to work for IBM. I only had two job offers after I finished through college. And one was to be a national bank examiner. And the other one was IBM. And I chose IBM. And I've been in technology since 1979, uh, right before the first PC was uh, generally mm. available. So, And I've been doing technology ever since then. So little did I know that STEM was going to be a thing, I, you know, and, and being a, a woman in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, that was a big thing. And being a Black woman in STEM was even bigger because there was nobody there to leave breadcrumbs for me to follow. You know, mm. I was the only one in a room full of either mostly white men, 90% men, maybe 10% women and, and no blacks except maybe one, maybe one other person would be black. So that's sort of how my story got to there. And I kind of advanced up the ladder well, wait, 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 you're leaving out some, some I'm parts I'm leaving out here. a lot of stuff. You are. Yes, you are. So let me just go back. <laughs> Daphne Jones, we're talking to Daphne Jones, author, when, when, when they say you won't break through barriers and keep leveling up your success. So, you know, you're sailing along, but I'm, I mean, how do you, as you're sailing along in this corporate ladder, you're a black woman in STEM, the male dominated industry, mostly white male dominated industry. Where did your support come from? Where did your strength come from? Where did your, how did you network that so that you could begin to level up your success? Like what was happening for you that you were able to, to do that even though you were one of the onlys? Yeah, so there was a black man in the IBM office. His name was Roscoe Adams. Mm -hmm. And he was extremely high yellow. So he really almost didn't look black. He took me under his wing. He was what they call the branch manager and all of us worked for him. And he took me under his wing and showed me um, about how do you follow people that are doing well, like having role models that you look up to. He talked about having mentors and having sponsors and looking at having stakeholder, having a stakeholder strategy because we are not here by ourselves and we're not here only for ourselves. So he would tell me that I had to get um, find people, whether they were white or black, no matter what it was, and find out people who are going somewhere. And if they're going somewhere, then hitch on to their, their, their coattails or, or their wings, because they say that whoever's in your circle may not be in your corner when it's Ooh. time, when, when things are going rough. So oh, wait a minute. Wait, wait, somebody, somebody needs to be blessed right there, Daphne. Hold up. Everybody in your corner is in, in your, your circle. circle is not in your corner. Right. I just felt like a, th that needed to be repeated because right. that that there's something there's a pearl of wisdom there. Say more about that. So there are you know whoever has your mind has you. Mm. My counselor had my mind. He told me that I wouldn't win, and therefore I believed it. And there's something called thoughts, actions, and results. If you think a certain way, you're gonna behave a certain way. And then after you behave a certain way, you're gonna have the results that that behavior generated. So whoever has your mind has you. So if you are hanging with people who are not going places or they're going places that are not going to be beneficial to your future, then that might be who's in your circle. But when you get in trouble, when you are hurt, when you want some support, when you're in pain, you need help, 
those people might just be fair weather friends for you. And mm. those fair weather friends may not be really going anywhere. And they, you need somebody that's going to be in your corner. It's like when you're a boxer, because I do some amateur boxing, right? And so I haven't been cut. My husband told me I better not come home cut. But when you go into your corner, there's your cut man there, right? And his job is to stop the bleeding. He's in your corner. And there are people that you could be hanging with, lollygagging around with. They're good people, but they're not going to be there when you need them, when you're in trouble. And so I had to find people that were going to be in my circle and in my corner. And, and it, it doesn't come easily. Um, there's ways you go about doing that, but that's really what, what kept me going. And, um, and, and understanding that I had to look at the, my dream as being more important than anything that was trying to set me back. So it's like a football player trying to go to, that, to the end zone. There are all these things coming at you that are gonna try to prevent you from winning, but you gotta keep that eye on the prize have your, your team around you who's going to protect you and, and work with you. Um, but it, it, it didn't happen overnight. They say the fastest way to get something done is to do it slowly. And so I had to do that slowly and build up my, my, my role models, build up my people around me that were some cases white and, and a few cases were black. And, and that's how I did it time after time. Yeah, so so I think just to pause, we'll talk with Daphne Jones, uh, retired from a Fortune 50 company, right? Uh, maybe for, yeah, Fortune 50, right? Let's talk about this because when you say that, you know, you had to, to go fast, sometimes you have to go slow and you build your networks and that your networks were not only, your networks were the people that were in your corner, multiracial, multi-ethnic. Yeah, How do we do that? How do we navigate that? Because sometimes that's a barrier for folks, especially folks of color, and sometimes it isn't. So just to reiterate why it's important for us to look beyond our comfort when it yeah. comes to networking. I think I want, yeah. I want you to speak yeah. to that. Well, there's the notion of diversity and diversity doesn't only work where there's gonna be black people coming into a white office. There are times when we need a white person to come into the black room as well. So having diversity is important and diversity of the input, in my opinion, improves the quality of the output. So if I have people that just uh, say yes to Daphne, looks like me, thinks like me, dresses like me, there's no diversity. There's no growth in that. There's no looking beyond what we already have. And that's called confirmation bias where everyone, everywhere I turn, people are just telling me yes. And as Colin Powell said, is if everybody's telling you yes, then somebody's redundant. We need somebody who's gonna tell us something that we don't know, something that's gonna be different. And so um, one of the things that's in my book is I talk about how do you get a mentor? And you find somebody in your community. It doesn't only have to be somebody that you work with. It can be your community. It can be in your church. It can be uh, in, in a uh, in an organization that you're a member of, whatever wherever you find somebody that is moving and going somewhere that aligns with your values, you ask them the question. Boy, I really appreciated what you did on that. You, you know your talk that you did or that paper that you wrote. Can can we talk a little bit? And I I'd love to pick your brain about what you're doing. And I tell you, George, people love to talk about themselves. So if you get somebody in a room and you're asking them about how they succeeded, how they did something, you'll have their full attention. 
And then you say, that's really interesting. I'd like to try that. I'd like to try what you just did. Do you mind if I come back and talk to you again about what I tried? And they're like, yeah, come on back anytime. Next thing you know, you've got a mentor who's willing to give you more of what they gave you the first time. And so you first have to say, I know that I don't know everything. By myself, I know very little, but with all of us together, we know everything. How do I find those people that with me can know everything so that I can learn even more? So you, it's your mindset has to be open because uh, there's a growth mindset and then there's a fixed mindset. Mm -hmm. If you have a growth mindset, George, you believe that there's more to learn. I can do more. I can be more. I, I want to measure my growth. I want to you know, attain. If you have a fixed mindset, you say, I know who I know. I've gone where I've gone. I know exactly what I should know and I can't know anymore. If you have that fixed mindset, it'll be very difficult for you to say, you know what? I want to I want to talk to that person. I want to see what they know. I want to see where they're coming from. And it's it starts in the mind. What I'm thinking about Daphne is at is there a cutoff to this growth? In other words, can you I'm thinking, uh, does this apply no matter what age you are? That's the question I have. Because, uh, you know, what could, uh, is this something that, like, you're a retiree, right? But you have another hustle going. I don't want to call it a hustle. You have another business. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but, but uh, you know, right? Because someone told me when I said hustle, it made it seem like it was belittled. No, I'm saying you have your, you have a lot of things going. So I'm saying, does this work for people who are retired or people who are just coming up? And, how do you see this applying at different levels of life? Yeah. In other words, I'm looking at, I mean, I'm of a, a, a retired yeah. age, though I'm not retired. So does, would this apply yeah. to someone like myself? I, I think it would. I'm going to give you a backdrop about where my thesis comes from. Yes. I am a, I'm a programmer by nature. I used yes. to program computers back in the day. And all of us know what this is, right? It's an yeah. iPhone. Yes. And, and you know what version the iOS operating system is at today? Wait, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Is it 16? Yes. Yeah. It's 16. <laughs> and do you know where it probably started at? What number started at? One. Probably started at one. And do you think it went from one to 16 in one year? No. Two years? No. 10 years? Maybe but it didn't happen right away. Right. I am on version. So I believe that we can be like products. Go ahead, talk where, to me, yes. Where we are like an iOS, we are like a car, a Tesla, whatever, and we can improve and go to version one, to version two, version three of ourselves. I'm on version 5.5. Talk to me. Of my life. And mm. so you, unlike my counselor, he defined winning for me in his terms. It was his paradigm and he did not give me the opportunity to think about what my paradigm might be. And anybody, if you want to learn how to swim, you can use win when they say you won't because winning for you would be learning how to swim. And then how do you get to be the next version of a swimmer? Maybe learn how to be a lifeguard. Hmm. And then the next version of a lifeguard might be a scuba diver. So no matter what you do, whether it's wanting to have your son do better in school, have a better marriage, Whatever you want to level up in, it can be producing, broadcasting, it can mm -hmm. be writing a book, it can be flying a plane, 
But if you want to learn how to win, you have to first have the growth mindset that says I can do it. And you define how small or how big that win is. And in my book, I talk about your purpose and your vision. And then I get into having a bodacious objective. People, we have all these little goals, but then we don't aim very high. So I kind of push you to aim really high because you know you may not make that, but you'll certainly be higher than where you might've aimed if you only aimed at a little, little uh, jump from where you are. I believe that if you don't leap, you'll never reach. So I help people in my book leaping and reaching for a thing that they didn't quite think they could do before. Yeah, this whole idea of, there was two things that occurred to me, leaping and if you don't leap, you won't reach. Right. What I'm hearing you say is you got to take chances or you have to take, you have to be willing to jump. It reminds me, I was in, uh, uh, I, I did something really in physically that was very, was impossible. And they have these, what they call cenotes, where you jump, jump into a pit. Oh, oh no. <laughs> yes, yes, okay. yes, 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 yes. And I have a fixed, I have a fixed mindset right now. <laughs> right, 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 right. So I go to you go to this top of this hole and 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 underneath the hole about 30 feet below or something like that is the water. And I had to jump. I, I, I chose to jump into this pit. And it took me like basically a half hour to decide that I was going to do this. And I'm watching all these people. And every time I went to do it, I came back. But once I did it, it it clicked for me this idea of jump sometimes you got yes. and so this idea i'm connected that to yes, leap yes yes right? exactly you're, you're right me, because because yeah. now i'm saying if i can do that then what would be what else me? can i do right and there's what else something can I? there's something called suspending disbelief mm -hmm. if you have a box of disbelief all your doubts and and your issues and your fears are in this box take this box of disbelief and put it, get on a ladder and put it way high on a shelf uh -huh. where you can't reach it anymore. Talk to and me. that's what I call suspending disbelief because if you say you can't, it's all in your mind. It's yeah. the, it starts with your thoughts, your actions and your results. And so you're right, if you don't leap, if you don't say you can leap, if you right. don't say you can win, you won't. And that is what's happened as a little girl. Mm -hmm. These little seeds of doubt have been planted in all of our minds. We've been told, you, girls don't do math. Girls can't play basketball. Girls can't play the drums. Girls can't lead. And those little seeds of doubt, George, get they grow up with us. And they yeah. become big trees of imposter syndrome. Mm. And so we've been poisoned in our passions, our purpose, our professions have been poisoned. And I want to have an antidote that a self-administered antidote that somebody can read and say, okay, I know how to get rid of this feeling of insecurity, this feeling of imposter, because if this black girl, this black chick from Phoenix, Illinois can do it, I know I can do it. And that's, that's what it's all about. It's in your belief. I interviewed the late B Smith, uh, entrepreneur, restaurateur, mm -hmm. fashion guru. And she, and this is to your second point about um, thinking boldly, being boldacious. That's the word you use. Yeah. And she said, it takes the same amount of energy for a dream that's this little for a dream that's this big. In other words, it's the same energy. So you might as well 
in your right. words, be bodacious. In her words, yes, yes. being bigger. And, I and have be something called bow, mo, and no. Okay. Bows is your bodacious objectives, B-O. Yes. Your moderate objectives are your M-O and your not unnecessary, um, not non-essential objectives are your nose. And so one of the reasons why people fail is we got too many things we're trying to carry. Mm. We're working on things that are no's that are non-essential. We're working on things that are moderately, you know, essential. And we're thinking on things, working on things that are, that are bodacious objectives. We should be picking, picking one bodacious objective, maybe one or two moderate ones, and the rest you delegate. That way mm. you're focused on what is going to help you to win. If you try to do 20 things, it's not going to work. You say that you want us to be the, um, I want to say, I'm going to say it in manager. my words, huh? Product manager. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say so, but I was going to use it. I was going to get cute with it. I was going to say, <laughs> you want us to be the quarterback of our own life and call our own plays. That's right. On the field. Right. That's exactly right. Instead of watching your life go by and you're over here on the sidelines and somebody's carrying your ball, or carrying your dream or carrying a vision of you. And you're all like, well, how do they, how'd they do that? Yeah. You've got to be the quarterback of your own, your own play. And, and I look at us as being a product and I was not playing when I talked about being an iOS, but just think of a product. We are like a product. Mm -hmm. George, a product has a, has a customer. People buy what I have to offer. They buy what you have to offer, right? You have a market out there. You have competition. Every yeah. product has competition. The iPhone has a Samsung, right? right? Um, the product has a price. This right here was not free and neither is she. Oh, come on. Right? <laughs> right? And with this price better be value that whoever's mm -hmm. paying for me needs to receive the value. And oh, by the way, there's not too many cars that have not been redesigned, reinvented, improved over time. And if something does not improve over time, it gets put to the bottom shelf. It loses its value. It loses its the desire for people to have it. We have to be like a product that continuously improves. You know what I'm thinking? Uh, I, I have an idea of an artist. I'm just, just going to see. I'm just going to throw it out here. <laughs> so can you think of any artist, performing artist, that's an iOS? And I, I have an idea of somebody. But and it could be anybody, but I don't know. I'll just give you my version of who I think that is. You know who I think is an iOS? And let's see if you agree with don't me. Don't say it's Kanye. <laughs> not today. Not, not no, no, today. no, not not today. Not today. Okay. <laughs> Madonna, what do you think? Okay, because she is change, she changes. Right. She is changed. Remember yes. the material girl? Material girl. Right? Yeah. That's not she's not that yes. now. That's true. That's true. That's I, true. I, I like um, co constantly re reinventing for the moment, and and I mean I'm not. I know there's also there's all I know there's a lot of stuff with Madonna, but I'm just talking about just from the how do I stay relevant in every generation or every you know like how do I stay right? Right. And I'm that's right. And that's I because right. I, the Madonna today is not the Madonna with the you know. Uh, holiday. That's not the same Madonna. <laughs> that's a good one. I got to think of one. I mean, I may have to use that idea. Yeah, I, well, uh, that's your uh, example, but I was just thinking, yes, yeah. yeah, she's evolved and changed musically to, yeah. to reflect 
she she took different things and now here she, you know what I mean? That's right. So I've you always have to be willing yeah. to, you know, unlearn. Right. And then relearn. Yes. And Ooh. so we learn, we unlearn, and then we relearn. And that is how you drive this. Because, you know, there's all this room in your head that all right. this old stuff that's there. How do you let the old stuff die down and become less relevant in your life? Because you're picking up a book and you're reading something new. And that, that's how you're relearning. And then you then apply that to what's going on. you got to stay relevant. And a lot of the churches are suffering from that. Mm. They're suffering from once that once COVID um, hit and people didn't go to church, right? right? right they had right. church in the homes. They, they kind of discovered there's an online platform now for churches. But now the millennials aren't going to church. The kids aren't going to church. They're not going. The adults aren't. And some of the same old pastors are doing things the same old way and, and they're getting the same old results. So then a lot of churches are dying because there's more people that's over 60 in the church than people that are under 30, right, right. In, in the church. And so the church needs to be an iOS and think about what version of itself does it need to be based on its customer, mm -hmm. based on its marketplace. And so my book gets into talking about looking at your market and saying, what does my market need from me? And then let me design that. And then let me test it. Let me just throw it out there. Let me try this new outfit on. Let me try, you know, a different way of preaching. Let me try a different praise and worship approach, whatever it is. And let's see what kind of hits I get. Oh, they didn't like that. Let me try something else. But you don't stop. You don't quit. You just find a way to win. You find a different way to win, but you don't stop dreaming and, and leaping to that win. It may not work the first time. You try another approach, the other direction, and then you find the way to win. Couple, couple things, man. Daphne Jones is just isn't she? She's she's telling us how to win. She's telling us how to to, to level up, and I really appreciate that. And couple, I I want to hit three more points or more, depending upon what we get to do together. Yeah, yeah. I told you a, a certain amount of time, but it's it's we going with it. So I'm gonna just keep going with it. So here's the thing. I had another question for you, specifically around what Black folk need to do as a community. What is it that you want to say to us specifically? And then we can talk about what you want to say to women specifically. And then I want to get into your model that you created uh, for your own success. Yeah. One of the things that um, we do as Black people um, is we're told that if, if we do our job right, mm -hmm. we'll get noticed and promoted. Yeah. Get rid of that. Ooh. If there's a book by Harvey Coleman called Organization Games Revealed, Empowering Yourself. Mm -hmm. And he talks about the power of pie, P-I-E. Mm. Imagine a circle, and one slice of that pie is a P, another slice is an I, the other slice is an E. The P is what my mama told me to always do. Daphne, just do your job and they're gonna notice you, they'll promote you, everything will be great. Because we were in a subservient society and we were just looking for the stuff to come down from our bosses and massa to, to tell us that we were okay. Performance is important, don't get me twisted. You have to do your job. You have to understand what success looks like. Your boss will say, deliver this project, deliver it. And so when you deliver it, 
you deliver it early. You deliver it, instead of it costing a million dollars, let it cost 700,000. Deliver it early, deliver it cheaper, and deliver it with a bigger impact than was expected. Whatever performance is, do more than is expected. Now we're used to having to work twice as hard to get right. half as far. So we're, we understand that concept. So performance, but this performance is necessary, but it's not sufficient. The I in pie is your image. Now your image is not only how you look and how you dress, but that does matter. And I've had to tell black men that work in corporate America, look at the CEO. If your CEO don't have a beard and a mustache, you don't need to have one either because you won't look like a potential CEO to them. So you have to dress the way successful people dress. You have to you know, walk and read what successful people read in your company. But more than that, it's your attitude. When somebody knows that George is coming to a meeting, are they like, oh my God, he's just gonna complain the whole time or he's gonna be late or whatever. Or they're gonna say, oh, we're gonna get some work done now because George is all about business. And I can't wait for George to come. Your image precedes you. What are they saying about you when you're not in the room and when you're not on Zoom? That's your image. And your image needs to be good. It needs to be healthy and open and collaborative. And you take risks, like you talked about leaping, and that you're a company guy. You know, all those things that are important. And you know the values of the company. Number three is the E. That's your exposure. Who knows George and who does George know? Because if you don't have somebody speaking on your behalf when you're not in the room, when you're not on Zoom, you're not gonna go in to Italy for that expat assignment. You're mm -hmm. not gonna be given the chance to, let's see what Daphne's got. Cause I've worked with her before and she's got, she's always ex asking questions. She's gonna be just perfect for this opportunity. But if they don't know you and you're right. just down there on the floor just doing your job because your mama told you just do your job and they'll notice you. No, you have to be exposed. And so black people have to do more than the P. We have to understand the I and we have to also do the E. And I'll say one more point. We're emotional. Um, we have to not take things personally, but we got to take things strategically instead. I get you. Okay. I can I just uh, I'm I'm rethink I'm re reviewing what you just said about the pie, the performance, the image, and the exposure, right? Yes. Is that as much of a important today because you have many CEOs, entrepreneurs that are not doing the button down and the and all of that. That that it's it, so so would you are you saying depending on in corporate America, I would say more or less. It depends saying, on where you are. Right. Because in entertainment and in other facets, right? Nonprofit, it's a different world. Well, how do they behave? So the question is, what does winning look like? So I'm in the not-for-profit organization. Who's right. winning over here? That uh, person's winning. Let me see what they're doing. Uh, Let me see what they're see. reading. Let me see what organization they're a part of. Right. And I'm going, my image will be of that organization that they're a part of. So uh -huh. it's not, you're right. It's not a tie button down. It's in your organization. You have to understand. It's like the basketball players, they have to dress a certain way before they come to the, the NBA game. They can't right, dress right, any kind right. of way. This is, right, right. That's how it works in the NBA. 
And in, in baseball, I see some of the fattest baseball players I've ever seen in my in the world. So they don't have to work out like basketball players do, but they, right. so everybody has a different uh, uh, thing they need to strive to be, to be a winner in that realm. Um, and so you're right, it's a great question. Um, I, I think the next one was about what women have to do when they don't um, have the support. Yeah. How do they I, win? I, yeah. Um, know that imposter syndrome is one of the biggest things that we have dealt with. I've dealt with it. I've been told that I wasn't going to be this, I wasn't going to be that. And we grow up with that imposter syndrome in our mind and we're afraid. Know, number one, that you're not by yourself. Many women feel that way, right? And know that you can find someone in your circle, in your corner, that will be able to talk you down off of that and then talk you into making that leap. You are amazing. You have won. If you're 25 years old, you have won something in the last 12 months. If you're 35 years old, you have gotten promoted before. If you're 40 years old, you ran a, a not-for-profit 10 years ago. You have done things. And if you won before, you win again. And if you fall down, you've fallen down before. You just got to get back up. You have, to, but you have to know in your mind and suspend disbelief. It is the most, the mind is the most powerful thing that can, um, you know, how you talk to yourself. My husband is 6'4". And I tell you, based on how I talk to him and what I infuse into his mind, he can become 5'3 in a minute <laughs> because of the mindset. So right. women, we got to know imposter syndrome. Um, that's just, that's you know, impossible is not uh, a fact. It's somebody's opinion. And the word is not impossible for us anymore. It's inevitable. Let me also ask you about how systemic racism shows up and how do you win when that is showing up? Because, yeah, let me just stop right there. <laughs> um, in my book, I talk about what happened with uh, Supreme Court Justice Katanji Brown Jackson. When she was... They, they said, okay, she's got it. She's in, however they did that. And everybody got up, started clapping. I'm not sure if you saw the, the shot where I'd say 30, 40 white men stood up, turned their backs on her and walked out. Mm. And I liken that to, and they did that on TV very publicly, but I liken that to our bosses who don't give us the promotion our bosses who don't give us the budgets that we have asked for, to the inability for black people to get capital from investors so they can start their own business. I liken it to the healthcare system, systemic racism that as we were talking earlier, you gotta be your own advocate because their job is going to be to not take care of you as they will take care of their own. It's the judicial system. It's the education system where they'd rather just let you shuffle along or give you a drug because they say you have ADHD or something um, than really try to teach the students. And so all of that abounds within us. And so we have to know that we have to take matters in our own hands and define what success is. And so when I talk about performance, you've got to perform. And you got to let your person, your boss, your, your supervisor know, this is what I did. This is what you asked me to do. 
and and make sure they understand the role that you played in in making that win happen. People love heroes, right? Mm. And even in my environment, you know, I, I was with um, a company and they told me that I dressed too nice as if me wearing blue jeans would make me a better leader. Mm-hmm. And I said, why didn't you tell me this? You know, I've been here for four years. He said, I was afraid you were going to go black on me. Mm. So people think these kind of things about black people, but you have to, again, not take it personally. Otherwise we'll get mad. Don't get mad as Ivanka Trump said, get everything right. Ooh. Find a way to win with your <laughs> performance. <laughs> the late Ivanka Trump, right? Right. right? Get everything. And, Don't get and mad. Just get Be everything. Strategic. Mm-hmm. Play the chess game. And that's why I say black people, we get angry and we say, I'm going to quit. But if you quit, who's going to be the next person to lift the next black person up? I didn't have anybody that was a role model for me except Roscoe Adams. And he was a man at IBM back in 1979. So they say that if you can't see it, you can't be it. Well, I didn't see it, but I had to be it. Mm-hmm. And I want us that regardless of the racism, use performance, use your image and, and use the exposure that you have and, and find that way to win. The book is called Win When They Say You Won't Break Through Barriers and Keep Leveling Up Your Success. Finally. Edit. Edit. Did I, oh, did I say, oh yes, thank you, edit. That's what I was, <laughs> you called me, I was like, oh yeah, yes, edit. Let's, let's talk about that. What's up? Okay. Edit means change. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to edit your life, you edit how you think, edit your expectations, change your behaviors, and you'll change your outcomes. So edit, first of all, it's a word that means change. Mm-hmm. But it's also an acronym. When I was uh, back in the day doing pro- coding, there was, you know, if you wanted to do a payroll application, or now we've got, you know, uh, driving apps and, and all uh, dating apps and whatnot. They all have come about in about the same way. Right. First, they were envisioned. Then somebody designed it. Somebody wrote it. And now they maintain it. And so that's what iOS did. Somebody envisioned iOS. They didn't envision it was going to um, maybe be a flashlight right away. That might have come in version four. Right. But it started and somebody envisioned it. So the E is envision what you want to be. And it's not what you're doing because we're human beings. So we're not human doings. So what is it that we want to be? And your envision is what is that? And it's based on what you've done well, it's based on what you haven't done well, and it's based on your purpose. So I spend the first three chapters going into what do you envision your life will be and you want to be? Well, after you envision that and you make a commitment because you're gonna write a commitment to yourself, then you design your path to get there. What do I have to do? What are the 10 steps that I have to do? I got to prioritize those things. Like I said, they're bodacious, they're moderately important, or they're not important at all. And you find that out. But while you're doing that, you get into the five F's. I had to realize the hard way that there are five F's that make up who I am. It's my faith. It's my family. It's my finances it's my fitness, and it's furthering my career. Many of us are focused on furthering our careers, 
but they don't realize what the impact of furthering our careers might have on our family or have on our, on our fitness or our health. And I don't mean physical fitness only, but also our emotional fitness and our mental fitness. And so when you're going through this, I have you look at how is your relationship with your family? Is it a five or is it a one? Because it's not gonna get better unless that is the vision that you have is for you to have a better family situation. So I have you go through that. So your E is your envision, your D is your design, and then you put it out there. You know, you've designed this, this plan, put it out there. You wanna be a scuba diver. You wanna be a better public speaker. You want to learn how to fly a plane. You start experimenting on that and you get feedback from the environment. Okay, they didn't like my speech. What did they they like? They don't right. you don't get mad. You take hmm. this strategically and understand how could I do better the next time? And then after you become that goal that you set, you have transformed. And you don't only just transform yourself, George, you have transformed the people around you. I now am a better person and now I'm going to help make other people better as well. And so I believe that we're not only here to be a product of the environment, I think the environment should be a product of us. Amen. And that's what edit is all about. Well, so we're gonna envision, we're gonna design, yep. we're gonna iterate. Yeah. All right. We're gonna just keep iterating till we get it right. And then we're going to transform not only ourselves, but others. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, what is the okay, so we have, we are winning when they say you won't. How to break through barriers and keep leveling up your success. All right. Daphne Jones, this book is um, available now, right? You can pre-order it now, yes. um, but it, it's going to be available in bookstores November 15th, Barnes and yes. Noble. Um, you can Amazon it right now. And pre-order. Um, mm -hmm. And pre-order, but it'll be available in stores November 15th. Um, Daphne, what is the one thing you, so all of what we talk, what's your take with to do right now for our listeners? Um, don't take no for an answer. Don't tell yourself no, and don't take no. Impossible right. is somebody's opinion. The word of the day is inevitable. Ooh, I like that. We thought it was going to be impossible for a black vice president, a black supreme. No, it's just inevitable. It's just a matter of time. And believe Let's go. that. Amen. Let's go. All right, Daphne Jones, she's a winner. Win when they say you won't break through barriers and keep leveling up your success. We just hit the tip of the iceberg and all the great pearls. Get this book, pre-order it on Amazon. Look for it in bookstores on the 15th. Yeah, November. And, and also they can get on uh, DaphneEJones.com forward slash book, forward slash book, and they can get a free copy of my intro. If they want to see what the book is all about, go on there and then you'll see um, the, the button to get a free introduction. DaphneEJones.com, uh, where you find Daphne and Daphne is uh, doing it and has done it and continues to do it, DaphneEJones.com. And you can also find out all the ways you can order the book as well. Get that book. Yeah. Let's make it a bestseller, y'all. Daphne Jones, 
right here on Inspiration for the Nation. Daphne, thank you so much. Thank you.